Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Stump Mike ESPN Pick and Pose uh, podcast. We've got, I'm gonna, say, I'm just gonna say it. We've got the greatest fast bowler I've ever seen in my life on the show with us. Some people say the greatest left arm fast bowler. I say the greatest fast bowler I have seen. We've got Wasim Akram on the show. Um, <laughs> uh, welcome, Wasim. Thank uh, you. Really nice Thank to you. Have and you know we we've, we've got Wasim on guys because he's got his new memoir coming out very very exciting the new book called Sultan uh, I, I think it's out on November the 16th is that right yes uh, around that yes November the 16th yes, Sultan it's, it's the second actually memoir that I, I can remember at least Wasim writing there was another one another book about him uh, and Wakar that John Grace wrote together Wasim and Wakar yeah. in runs in it was a long time ago and then there was Wasim the autobiography now there's so I'm, I'm going to jump straight into it. Very excited. It's a great book. I've read it. Um, I got very lucky with a copy. I've read it. it it's excellent. It's compulsory reading for everyone. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. So, you know, one of the things I found interesting was the, the motivation to do this book. You, you write at the start of it that, you know, you, you went back after your father's death in, in 2014. You went back to Lahore with Shanira and the family. And you just on a whim, I think, decided to visit your old house in Mazang. Right. And and so, and I think you write that you wanted to write it kind of your story for your kids as well, uh, because yeah. they would have been very young when you wrote the first one. So yeah, just talk a little bit about what kind of, you know, prompted you to think about, you know, many years after retiring, <laughs> still relevant to the game, of course, you're a coach. What got you to kind of write this book out? I think uh, I'll give credit to Shanira because I wasn't prepared to write a book again. I didn't want it to go through those uh, stresses and those traumas I've been through in my life and because I kind of settled in my life, life is going well, boys have grown up, mm. they're doing good. Uh, my younger one is seven and a half, eight years old, Isla, little one. And uh, But then I met Gideon, hey, Shanira met Gideon somewhere and they had a chat and Shanira was after me for a year or two that, you know, you must write something, you must pen, pen down something, just not for uh, uh, yourself for me, for my kid, for our kids, and of course for people who like you, who liked you as a cricketer, who still like you as a person. And yeah, it was tough to even make a decision. And then I met Gideon and uh, I realized uh, he is the right guy for the job. Mm. And uh, because I'm 56 now, you do do, a human being tend to forget stuff that has happened to him or her about 20, 25, 30 years ago. And sometimes if you don't revisit it, that particular incidence or incident, then you kind of, it, it disappears from your mind. So it was tough, like I said early on, to, to write. I'm still a mm. bit, uh, uh, what is the word, wary uh, that the book is coming out. How will people perceive it? But you see, my this is my side of the story. I haven't been into any personal things of anyone. It's just the cricket politics, what I've been through personally, while playing for Pakistan and my personal, you know, uh, tragedies, my triumphs, mm. my personal mm. problems, everything. Uh, I mean, it's a straightforward book I wrote, whatever happened to me in life. You know, you, uh, you, your, your first memoir, Wasim, I think came out around 98, 99, that, you know, very different time in your very different time in your life and career. Like, how, how do you look at the two <laughs> books now? Like, you know, that was 98 before your retirement. Uh, at, you know, again, difficult time with Pakistan, a lot had happened, a lot was going to happen. And and now you've got this, do you feel like this is kind of, I don't know, completed some, something you wanted to say more about what you wanted to say about your life and career? 
You're probably right. Uh, the first book when we wrote in '98, I was playing cricket, and I mm. was, uh, and it was my last year at Lancashire, and it was the benefit year too. So we yeah. collided together. And I think uh, uh, when you play cricket or any sport, last one thing you wanted to sit with a writer and and talk about it for hours and hours. So your concentration levels are not very up there. But with this book, uh, I think uh, it. It, it took toll on me as well while talking about certain incidents with Gideon. And mm. uh, I, it, I, I felt kind of uh, heavy for a couple of days after, after you know, a couple of stories, a couple of incidents. But Gideon was, like I said, was really good. He was done his, he was done his homework, things he remembered mm. and I didn't even remember. Then I had to revisit that particular incidents in my mind and, you know, uh, uh, it was tough. So I suppose the writer, good writer is also very important with a proper homework. And he reminded me of some games where he said you took seven wickets in first class. I said, really? I don't even remember. So yeah, <laughs> th 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 that, those were the funny, bit, funny bits as yeah, well. Yeah. You know, I mean, you were saying right now that there was a lot of difficult bits also that you wanted to revisit. And I guess, you know, the headline already, because you've spoken about it as well, has been that, you know, you had post-career, you had a cocaine addiction, you, you had a problem with cocaine or whatever. I just wanted to know, like, you know, how difficult was it for you to decide to talk about something like that? Because, you know, sportsmen, I think sports people in, in the West, are, they have a culture and environment where it's easier in a way to speak. You know, not easier, yeah. but you know, more open. Whereas in Pakistan, the subcontinent, it's difficult to talk about things like that. So what kind of prompted you to be open about that? I think it's quite normal in the Western culture. If you have a problem, you discuss with your friends, but discuss with your family, you come out with it. There are people, there are groups there to help you. Unfortunately, it's the opposite in our part of the world. Uh, yeah, it was uh, a tough decision. It was a personal decision. The idea was uh, starting off to be, to, to relate to the credibility of the book that I want something mm -hmm. good out of it. And I want people to know if I can get over it it was 14 years ago, anybody can. If I can motivate one person with my story, uh, you know, my job is kind of done. And the same thing happened to me in 19, uh, into, uh, the year I got diagnosed in 97 at diabetic. I mm. wanted to come out with it. That's when yeah. my late wife also helped. He said, you should come out with it. You should motivate people. I've been told by so many people around me, don't come out with it you won't be able to play cricket your sponsors will run away this oh. will happen this will happen but i oh. just listened to my heart then i said look i and i'm still motivating diabetics all over the world with with kind of you were a, a very active campaigner i remember you were at the forefront of many campaigns about diabetic you know diabetes awareness and stuff and and it's like i say it's unusual and i, I think homa played a role in that like you were saying right and i was reading in the book of course that she also kind of played a role in in you know spotting that you had a problem with cocaine and then kind of urging you to do something about it yeah uh, in that sort of situations the people who have been through it and came out as winners they can actually explain that how difficult your personal life gets as well and obviously she was suffering with me too and mm. then uh, you know yeah uh, so yeah she was instrumental uh, uh, in that aspect to convince me. And I think, you know what they say, uh, first, uh, 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 you know, uh, step is to accept you have a problem mm. and then the process uh, of rehabilitation or whatever is start. And I think uh, it took me uh, 
we had a lot of arguments, sort of fights. I didn't want it to. She was, she, she was like upset. Kids were very young. Uh, Tamur was probably four or Akbar was just one or maybe two wow. or five or two. So, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, she has shaped my life for better the, the day I married her. I think I got lucky twice in life uh, with, with Huma first and then with Shanira now. In, in the book, you also talk about, you were talking about rehabilitation now. You talk about rehab in Lahore as a very harrowing experience, actually. Like it's, you know, it's, it, you, you're so open about it. Just, you know, going to rehab there and then the experience of it turned out. How did you kind of overcome that and still try and beat the addiction, you know? Because you said that it was, it was a bad experience generally, the, the rehab in Lahore. Yeah, I'm still scarred about that because when you think of rehabs, uh, you think of when you see, uh, you know, read or see in the movies, uh, like greenery, like, you mm. know, you have certain timings, you wake up, you give you fresh juice, then the lectures, whatever problems you have, it wasn't like this at all. It was just a corridor with eight rooms and uh, other patients there. There was only one lecture a day for two hours. And this that guy was quite okay, actually, but it was just, it was just painful. It wasn't helping anyone at all but i think that's the style here in our part of the world that, that that's not working if that's the style mm. you need to spend more money uh, uh, into having a, a rehab centers in any country with proper facilities not just eight rooms so yeah it was yeah. very traumatic and i actually got that didn't help in uh, in the beginning at all it actually i it rebelled i got rebelled I said, it's my money. Why are you not letting me go? And uh, it was actually up to Huma. She had to decide. And what they do, they get hold of your family and they play with their mind because family is under stress at the time. So they, they tell them it's at least 90 days. At least you have to come and listen to lectures too and you have to pay the lectures for as well. So, yeah. Uh, but uh, once I got out, I, I think I went to South Africa. There was much, mm. uh, It took me about a uh, 15 days to get used to say hi to people, you know, to, to, to how to sit with people. Uh, wow. It was, yeah, it was that kind of rehab. But yeah, uh, and nobody, nobody knew about it at the time, you know, it was like some, something like this. Sometimes it comes out in public or people, but I, I don't think anybody knew about it until you, you know, I think that's credit to the credit to the organization. They, they probably were professionals in that sense. And uh, uh, they, I mean, help was there in a bit that the guy, doctor who used to come and give us lectures, he was quite good. He was regular and coming every day. And that was kind of good, but there was no exercise. And the food was just desi, alugosht type food. And that didn't help paratha and eggs for breakfast. Uh, but yeah, uh, then I went to South Africa and then the tragedy happened. And then I suppose uh, it's just never even thought about it. The, wow. the probably probably uh, God, Allah has never given me time to even think about it. Boys were 8 and 11. In fact, 7 and 10. Mm. And yeah, it was, uh, yeah, still miss her a lot. How, how do you it, know? It I, was, mean, I guess we're getting a little bit personal, but I just wanted to get an idea. You know, Huma's passing was, must have been such a traumatic event for you and the family. Is that like, I don't know, how do you feel about the, the grief, the grieving process? Are you do you ever get over something like that? I guess you don't, right? It's no, you there. don't. You don't get over it. It's impossible. And, and it always stays, but you kind of, you move away from it a little bit, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you move away from it, but it never, it never goes. I mean, 
boys are grown up now one is doing masters in digital marketing the last year younger one is in pittsburgh duquesne akbar uh, doing uh, in business school so yeah uh, yeah no, for two years i was i think they were at that age when uh, their mama left us it was just tough for me to knew what to do mm. you know i was worried about the schooling their uh, uh, clothing the things we don't even think of yeah yeah of course they have course. their everyday food meeting their friends and friends parents because you know boys also should go boys or girls a teenager uh, even from eight onwards they just want their friends on the weekend they want to go to their friends their birthday parties you know so yeah uh, this guy who's who's uh, who's left uh, 3 years ago abbas who has been with for 30 35 years he was a godsend and you know then we moved to karachi it was a new country mm. city for me so yeah i think uh, the reason i moved to karachi was that i wanted to live uh, next to my in-laws i thought uh, they'll spend time with the boys and they did uh, mm. uh, in a way a family near them so that was the only reason i moved to karachi with two boys and four bags and <laughs> then got settled here and started over i took two years off didn't work found a new school dropping them school every day picking them school every day and you getting to get their parent teacher meetings and then of course after 5 years i met chanira that that helped a lot she took over mm. when she met me and when we got married but uh, first 4 5 years were very very tough and the boss helped me but whatever you see uh, what i've learned from it that life got to go on the loved ones you'll miss all your life but life can't stay still and it's just got to go on and that's what she probably wanted from me as well amazing amazing you know I, i'm just going to move on from there but i what one of the things i really enjoyed about the book was you know just the the openness about everything really like you you're so open in it and what are the things that a lot of us knew very little about was your early family life like i i didn't know for example you know that you went through a, a bit of an unsettled childhood as well like uh, early on Uh, but yeah. the way you kind of the way you draw out you know living with your with your mother and your nani i guess your grandmother and and yeah. that side of the family it's beautiful like was that in any way difficult for you because that's the first time i've i've seen you talking <coughs> or writing about your early life in that sense no it was it wasn't difficult it was actually fun you know it was a busy neighborhood uh, you mm. have friends everywhere you playing cricket you playing all the seasonal sports if it's raining you are in the bazaar just raining together uh, riding behind the rickshaws on a slow mode on a slow bent uh uh you know all these memories come back playing uh, uh, from there we used to walk to university ground i remember every almost every second day after school proper proper stumps in our hands each of six seven of us my next door wow. neighbors four brothers four brothers uh, uh we used to get through for a team and used to find a corner in a university ground behind the university ground and uh, uh used to put stumps there on a green patch slips in there with tennis ball regularly we used to do that and then yeah it was just a normal fun childhood tough in a way i was too young to even think what toughness was obviously I used to miss my dad and my brothers but i used to go see them in their house my dad's place in moral town but yeah it, it was actually that's why i think i played cricket because my school was walk uh, uh, every day we used to walk to school but 20 minutes wow. walk opposite the high court lahore high court the cathedral, cathedral school that yeah, was yeah. very instrumental in my life as well one of the best days of my life my school life 
I'm still in touch with a couple of, uh, quite a few of my, actually my classmates on Facebook. I'm a late oh, nice. Facebook. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a late bloomer in Facebooking. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I was accept on my personal Facebook. I was accepting whoever uh, was saying, you know, send and they said, what are you doing? I said, they said friendly. I said, but you're not friendly. You don't know these guys. You're not supposed to do that. It's all right. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. And you know, that, that kind of same openness comes through in, in your discussion about your career, which again, I just find so refreshing. I, I'm going to count. You, you said you write that you played under 13 different captains, 10 different head coaches, nine different PCB chairmen. Now, you know, I, I would say like the first few years of your career were a fairly stable time. I think until Javed and Imran yeah. were there, fairly stable. How do you assess? Like you look back now, you know, 20 years on from, from your last game or whatever. Like how do you look back at that period? It, it must have been an absolutely crazy whirlpool of a time to kind of be playing in especially like the late 90s, how do you not go crazy thinking about it? <laughs> <laughs> like I said, some, some things you want to forget. And when you do that, your mind accepts it and puts it aside in your back of your mind. And I wow. think I've learned the way, I've learned uh, life to, uh, to, to, to uh, you know, lead a life in a way, if there's a problem, if I can't solve right now, I'll put it back of my mind. I'll have compartments in my mind. And once the next day or day after, I'll come back to that problem and solve it. And I think that's, uh, that helped me a lot. That, that uh, Huma taught me that technique long, long time ago. Obviously, I didn't, I didn't work on that technique when I was playing, <laughs> but I should have then. Well, it's difficult, much better. while you're doing it, right? It's difficult while you're in the middle. It was. It, it was a crazy time after. Like you, you rightly said, uh, uh, after Skipper and Javed Bhai left, uh, before that, it was just a stable, comfortable ride. Everything was sorted. You go play cricket evening if you want to have party or whatever. It was just fun. And after mm. that, things uh, started to get difficult, different, because all all of us were the same age group, and nobody was there to mentor us. The managers used to come for a tour. There wasn't a consistency in management. You know, those days it was a trip kind of manager. Okay, it's his turn. It's his turn. And coaches uh, used to, if Inti Bhai was there or Budipa was there, they were nice guys, brilliant guys, awesome guys, my mentors, my heroes, but they couldn't control all of us in one go. I think that was the problem too. But it was, it was difficult to revisit. It wasn't fun. Yeah, I, I was going to say, and you, I, I remember you, uh, in just the recent, the, the interview you gave in the Times to Simon Wilde, you actually said, yeah. that you, and you said earlier here as well, that you were feeling a little bit anxious about the release yeah. of the book and what impact it might have. Like, do you, do you feel like it may uh, affect your relationships with contemporaries right now? Do you, do you worry about that at all? Not at all. Uh, you see, as long as uh, I made sure that I don't, uh, I haven't said anything personal about their lives mm. on the tour. Uh, things happened between us. That was my side of the story. They might differ with it. Uh, yeah. But uh, uh, I was respectful as well in in that uh, that way as well. It's just I think natural, just human nature. I'm just anxious. Uh, I don't know why I shouldn't be, but I am because I'm having. Like I said, I, I'm leading a very comfortable slash work is going well. Boy, family is happy. I have no worries. I I, I don't want to take unnecessary stress in life, mm. and stress is the biggest killer, as we all know. Uh, and I think my diabetes also triggered by the stress. Doctors might not believe me. It happened in, in the my peak, opinion. Right? At the peak of all the stress. 97. I think it yeah. was just after or during Justice Kayum report. 
when we were going to the uh, uh, court every day. And you know, those days when you drive to the court on a mall road, uh, these vendors used to sell those evening newspapers, as we call it, Zanimas, mm -hmm. with front, back, full of my name, full of this. Your teammates were there in the other room. You were in the other room. Everybody was with their lawyer. PCB was fighting against us. It, so it was just bizarre. Everything was just bizarre. And three days later, you're all playing a match together. So like, yeah. It's just, it's just I, I, don't, I don't know who was running just, the PCB then. You know, if they would have uh, nipped the bud in 93 when they, these boys rebelled, whoever, whatever, I'm not saying to ban them or whatever. If somebody hmm. took it, the ownership of the team, okay, you nine guys are not going, this is your fine, this is happening, you take the new team. But that didn't happen. And that's, I think, on, uh, gone in, uh, that's have sort of started the downward spiral. You know, you, you talk in the, in, in the book, of course, you, you, you talk a lot about the Justice Kayum report, you know, of course, because it, it looms large throughout it. But the one thing that surprised me was, and I didn't know again, was that you said you hadn't read it until it came to this book. Why, yeah. why is it like why did you not did you not feel like or did your lawyers at the time not feel like you should maybe be aware they, of what what was they there? probably did they asked me i probably paused to forget about it basically because i knew every everything was just there ifs and buts he said she said i heard he heard he sent a guy and you know the reason uh it the one of the reasons I'm, this book was all journalists uh, senior journalists like you because you guys have your own mindset, you guys work your own way. I know it's difficult to uh, revisit and think, oh, that can't be wrong. But just my request to all the journalist community is just revisit that report and exactly read it again and then make your mind. That's all. One of the reasons I also write, uh, you know, spoke about the book as well, read the report mm -hmm. myself, uh, uh, you know, every word of it. And then I realized there was, uh, uh, you know, it's just like I said, he said, she said. One of the things you say, and I, you know, I've read the report several times just for work and stuff. And there, like you say in the book, also, there's definitely like a lack of hard evidence. Like you know, you can't base a lot of these judgments without evidence, and that, I think that's where it kind of fails or it hangs. In, it leaves you guys in the worst possible place because there's no evidence there, but there's a lot of talk and conjecture and speculation. And, and knowing, that kind of and knowing Osman. Yeah, and knowing uh, in the 90s how these cricket boys were, all of us, there was very hardly any trust in a way. Mm. And, and knowing that they probably can, uh, you see, coming back to the 96 World Cup quarterfinal, 9, 11 people, they were winning the game till the 15th over second innings. And suddenly they lost wickets and then the blame came on me. I still can't get over it. What were the 11 people doing there who were on the field? Who were chasing one two seventy odd with a hundred and twenty four none in fifteen? Yeah, yeah, in a winning position. And then, in a winning position. and then, how did that news came out? Who spread that news? How, Just think you, about I mean, it. At the time when it came out, when all this was happening, did you ever think about leaving the game? Did you not think that I've had enough? I won't quit. You see, I'm a very stubborn. I'm like I'm, I'm kind of like a mule. If somebody pushes me the wrong way, I'll make sure I'll stand. And I didn't want it my cricket to finish. This my only answer was to play cricket for Pakistan while certain people doesn't want me to play for Pakistan. So that actually motivated me. They, they didn't read me right, did they? They actually motivated mm. me to play cricket. And, and That's kind of know, person I, I, I am. 
I, I went through the records at that time and, you know, right in the peak of that period, and I've, I've spoken to you about this once before when we interviewed, 97 to 99 was probably yeah. the most exciting Pakistan team, the most gifted Pakistan team, and one of the most successful ones that any side has seen. Like, you know, that 99 World Cup team, forget the final. Yeah. was probably yeah. the most talented man-for-man team that Pakistan has ever had. On ever, the- ever had. 100% agree that we were winning everything because... There was a consistency in the leadership up there. They didn't announce me the coach, captain for one series. They backed me up and suddenly the boys realized, okay, he ain't going anywhere. You know, he ain't going anywhere. Mm. And then 99, the coup happened and General Saab came and then still started, you know, back to square one. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, you know, that's the, in in a way, the story, but uh, the story of Pakistan cricket, but the other thing that struck out, actually, you know, there's all this talk about, of course, the Kayum report, the atmosphere at the time, but there's also one sense creeps through that for all the bad things, there are some very good people who mentor young players like you. So, you know, you talk very glowingly about Javed Bhai, about Mudipa, Mudassar Nazar, yeah, about Imran, yeah. of course, who we'll come to in a second. But there's a real sense of camaraderie and friendship and learning with guys like Mudassar. So, you know, in whatever crazy period of Pakistan cricket there's been, <laughs> There are always some senior guys, and I'm sure you did it with some juniors in your time, that there was always somebody to kind of guide a real youngster. Like, you know, you came into the team, you knew nothing of the world. Amir came into the team, knew nothing of the world. So many players have come in like this. But there always seems to be one or two people who guide kind of these youngsters through. And I, I just wanted you to talk about that because, you know, guys like Muripa yeah. and Javed, they had a big impact on you, on your life. Huge, huge. These guys were the pioneers of Pakistan cricket, not just cricket as shape up the future cricketers as well who joined Pakistan team. And I was one of them. I've been told by Javed Bhai how, what, is, what stake is, how to, you know, hold knife and fork, uh, which hand and uh, what wow. chips were. Never had chips in my life before. Uh, uh, in Christchurch, the night, the first night I arrived, I was looking for chicken kadai somewhere. In Christchurch in 85, there were seven <laughs> people lived there. So, yeah. <laughs> and she, then the salad... And then the salad introduced me. And it was very normal in that era uh, that uh, uh, seniors were kind of well-traveled. They used Mm. to play counties. Zed Bai was there, my first tour. Mohsen Khan was there, educated, handsome dude, well-traveled. And then Imran joined. So it was a, they were a very confident bunch. And they wanted to share their knowledge, their confidence that certain things uh, are normal. It's okay. It's okay. You go have fun, go have party, but come back on time, work hard, simple principles. And they did it themselves. So that was easier to follow. I hope that present team kind of. There is no before, probably it was Misbah uh, as Skipper, calm, demure, you know, easygoing, uh, sensible. Uh, then Afridi was around uh, for a while. And after that, I think Yunus Khan was around. Shwe Malik was there. But now, this, this, again, same. They're good boys, although we have. But yeah, what were you saying? No, I, I was going to say, you know, I, I remembered one thing that, in fact, funnily enough, Shoy Bakhtar said at his retirement press conference, he, in, he retired, you know, during the 2011 World Cup in Colombo. He gave a press conference. Yeah. One thing that really struck me, and again, it, it came to me when I was reading the, the book, he said that, you know, people outside don't realize how much for, for guys like him, for guys who come from different backgrounds, how much even one game of cricket for Pakistan, one match you play for Pakistan, how much it changes your life. You know, you, you end yeah. up getting a passport, a national identity card, 
you enter a swimming pool for the first time you eat different kinds of food just this one trip one tour one match and i think people don't understand outside that it completely changes your life just even being a one time one match pakistan cricketer right the kind of respect that it gives you in the country absolutely shoaib was spot on i mean i first i, I never i used to go to railway swimming pool somewhere i forgot near railway station lahore uh with my friend it was like it wasn't even a pool it was like a pond we used to pay i think 4 rupees or 2 rupees each just to get in there and then after our first game i played for pakistan uh, on new zealand tour there was a pool in every hotel and uh, i used to just look for an excuse to get into the pool and everything was so new for me things i never seen or never even seen in the movies they were there the people were different the culture was different the stunning places uh you know yeah it, it, it's just for chalk and cheese you know what you do suddenly when you play for pakistan and you know i was talking earlier about the mentors imran is is a big presence in the book imran khan Huge. of course you know and and you know hope kind of prayers for his recovery from the incident yesterday yeah. we're talking like the day the day after that just when you were growing up so when you hadn't met imran when you were growing up you knew cricket existed just speak a little bit about what a huge phenomenon and a superstar he was in the country at that time because i i think people kind of forget now because he's been a politician yeah. but at yeah. the time you were growing up he was the biggest thing right magazine covers tv everywhere he was the only thing okay there were viv richards there were three all rounders kapil dev uh, sir richard hadley uh, sir ian lord ian botham but he was a, from a different breed i mean he was like a greek god man first time he skipper took me to a nightclub in sydney in 80 i think it was 88 maybe 88 and uh, he ordered a pint of milk uh, yeah. in a nightclub the first of all they went to look for a pint of milk for him that was bizarre to start off with and then there was a queue of girls <laughs> to shake hand with him in australia that for me imagine a guy from mazang to a 1920 year old and there was a queue of blondes lying to, just to shake hand with the great khan and he used to i mean wherever he went wherever he went uh, the craze went with him we went to india the craze went with him wherever city we go wherever and i was with him he used to take me and i used to have time of my life seeing all these bollywood actors actresses at parmeshwar's house every second night massive parties i never even heard of never even forget seeing or being never even heard of but you see parties in uh, in in hollywood or bollywood bollywood now those were the parties then and imran was the center of attraction of every party he had the gift of the gab very dry and subtle sense of humor uh, and very and that funny deep voice right and the deep voice yeah, of yeah, course the deep voice and used to make it deeper as well hello yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i used to love it <laughs> I used to look at me and smile a bit, <laughs> <laughs> and, and like you know, when you then became, when he left the game and you became captain in that first stint, especially the the influence was such that you were still seeking advice from him, right? I think you used to be in touch with him fairly regularly, very regularly, not just uh, in the beginning, always. Although he got busy, then I used to call him, and uh, I I think if I mentioned in that my book or not that ninety nine tour to India, he was the one. who convinced me to take afridi as an opener in test cricket really yep 
What 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 was what was his reasoning behind? I was that? at his home. I was in Islamabad. Skipper, I think, was in Lahore. I don't remember where was it. In Lahore, Zaman Park, went to have dinner with him, me and Zakir. And I think I was alone. And Zakir, maybe Zakir was there as well. So Skipper said, "Lafridi ko leke ja rahe ho." I said, "Yeah, Lafridi is coming for one day." He said, "I think he'll be a very good opener." I said, "Hang on a minute, Skipper. What do you mean opener?" He said, "Imagine you bowling a player like him. You'll be more worried about yourself than him because he'll be smashing you." Three fours, and then your field positioning, everything will be all over the place. Wow! And I thought about it. I said, "Yeah, that's making sense, especially on Indian subcontinent wickets." And uh, that's what I did. Took him, played him, and he got 140 in the first Test match. Wow! And he got runs wow. in the second I, game as well. He did. He did. He did. And are you are you still in touch with him? Like, what's your relationship with with Imran? Like, yeah, now? I Because spoke to Skipper uh, about a couple of weeks ago on WhatsApp. Wished him on his uh, birthday. And hello, ask about his sons and everything. But obviously, right now, I'm not, I've been talking to Zak. Zak was in a hospital. Uh, he's got hit by three bullets, by the way, in his leg, and one just brushed the bone. That's crazy. Dude. So yeah, I'm in touch with him regularly. When he became prime minister, you say hello, hi. Never spoke politics because okay. I'm not a, a, a politics is not my cup of tea, especially in my part of the world. <laughs> has has he changed at all? Have you seen him change as a person now? That, that changed. Uh, Skipper is still the same. Simple, straightforward, hard worker. Once he believe that he's on the right path, nobody can move him. Nobody can. He was always like this, stubborn in that sense. I was going to say actually, when when you guys were playing together, did you ever try and successfully change his mind on anything? Because he was so like. Tunnel vision. If he wants something, he's going to get it. If he wants it this way, he'll do it. Did you ever convince him of anything? Like, to are you crazy, Usman? Are you crazy? <laughs> I thought I'd ask anyway. I, I just I'd nodded, ask. man. I just nodded. It was Imran Khan, my captain. Why would I yeah. even think about changing his mind? <laughs> And he always had. You see, uh, what I loved about him, or still love about him. He always had good intentions. He wasn't a bad. He's not a bad person. You know, he's a good human being, yeah, and that shows yeah. on people's faces eventually. You can tell the aura behind around them. That comes through. You know, you you've you've been through some very tough times in your career, in your life. You said earlier that you're in a really good place now. Um, you know, with Shanira and and the kids all doing well. Mashallah. Uh, what are the next few years looking like for you? What do you? Are you got any plans? What, what do you want to do? For fortunately, uh, I have been unbelievably busy, and work-wise, uh, uh, let's see what happens after this book with my sponsors. But I'll be okay. I knew the I knew the impacts. But you see, uh, even the sponsors should realize this was 15 years ago, 20 years ago, and this can motivate people. This can help people. Whatever I said in that book about my personal uh, life, and that was the reason. So we, as a world, we have to be open up. Sometimes we don't have to go with the flow. Sometimes we just don't realize that that person is trying to do something good. Yeah. Do you do you, uh, see, do you see more? Uh, do you see more coaching in in your? In yeah, your coaching, Osman. Uh, again, stress. Coaching is a tough job. It's especially coaching in for Pakistan team is even tougher job because of the extra baggage it comes with 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 that job. Everybody's uh, okay. Players have got to play cricket. You, as a coach, give them your plans, sit with them, chat them individually, get to know them personally. But they are the ones who are going to go deliver. And who gets the coach? Sack the coach. And with social media, 
uh, with social media uh, kind of with, with with kind of people with comments rude comments i won't be able to take it i'm at at that stage of my life i can't take crap anymore man <laughs> do you miss the game do you miss playing? um playing i you see uh, that's that's a funny question i was thinking about it my other day myself and i come to conclusion that i moved on in life that period was there is very it's very kind of blurry blurry life blurry kind of you know wow. uh, things because i think god has been kind allah has been kind i've been very busy maybe that's why life has moved on this is a new phase of my life okay and, and finally who do you think is going to win the t20 world cup <laughs> ah good question uh you see i i said early on new zealand have uh, one of the favorites and people are always said oh they're playing shit cricket you don't even know friends you know all cricketing colleagues yeah, yeah, look at them yeah. now they're the first team to qualify uh, look india is looking uh, south africa uh, new zealand is looking good india is looking good uh india uh, and then uh, we australia yeah. is struggling to even qualify england is looking good uh it's difficult to pin it's really difficult to pick win uh, which one i think it it between india england and new zealand it looks like it but you never know if south africa qualifies one good day they probably will smash anyone wasim it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you i hope we haven't taken up too much of your time thank you very no, much no. for being so open uh, the book comes out in in australia i think on the 16th of november and in the subcontinent soon after that i i, yeah. I think the book comes that's out. the so idea people look out for the book it's called sultan you will not miss it uh and you will not regret getting the book and reading up more about uh like i said you know the greatest fast bowler that that has ever lived wasim thank you very much for your time and uh, go thank well. you very much it was pleasure thank you